So we're continuing our journey with the Four Noble Truths, now on the fourth Noble Truth, the way out, um, which is spelled out as an eightfold path. In the last couple of weeks, we looked at the first set of factors of the eightfold path, the wisdom factors, uh, right view, right intention. And this week we're gonna move into the meditation factors which are right effort, right mindfulness, and right samadhi, a word often translated as concentration, but I'll just say it again because it's worth it. It's really an inadequate translation. I wonder if flow state might be a more, more appropriate translation. I'm just going to make one note about my choice in, in naming them in this way. The Eightfold Path is never meant to be a linear step-by-step -step, um, progression. All of the factors are always working together, and that's really what we're going to look at today. And there is a um, traditional order that these are often taught in. And it's, it was interesting for me to kind of contemplate that and recognize how I never think of it in that order. A more traditional order would be the wisdom factors. Typically everything is kind of grounded in that keystone of right view. And then typically the ethic, the ethical factors of right speech, right livelihood, right action. Then leading into the meditation factors. I like that order. I understand why there is some um, sense to that. This entire eightfold path is about the liberation of the mind, how we how we find freedom from all of the um, shackles that um, we have learned through our life on our mind, and and that traditional order. Um, I like that it puts ethics as a foundation, um, as a foundational piece for finding the ease of mind we need in meditation for the ultimate liberation. Um, that if we just get our outward life in good order, it makes meditation practice so much easier. Um, because we're not having to worry about that thing I said or, you know, is my job actually hurting people in this way or not? Um, um, you know, all of that stuff is just taken off the table and makes life simpler um, to find our freedom. So I, I, as much as I appreciate that logic, I have to say I'm not a monk. I'm not a nun. <laughs> In Buddhist terms, I would be what's called a householder. And for me, liberation of the mind has always been in service of how I live my life, of, of how I relate to those I love, um, to doing work I care about, to how I am in the world. So, you know, just honestly, the way I have always related to this, this um, eightfold path is the wisdom factors, the metafit, and then the meditation factors in service of how I live my life. Um, so that's the order I'm going to, I'm going to present them. <laughs> 
Uh, so we're moving into the meditation factors of right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. And again, that word right, uh, it's really about balanced effort, balanced or wise, skillful um, um, mindfulness. And again, these are not meant to be intellectual ideas to think about. They're meant to be grappled with. You know, we're meant to take these out of the realm of thinking about them and kind of like get in the muck and the mess of our life and work with them. Uh, and when we start doing that, they become extremely practical aids, not just in formal meditation practice, but in day-to-day -day living. Uh, and there's a way um, with these meditation um, factors, um, as with all of them, but that they're clearly always working together. And I read this um, beautiful analogy, I don't remember hearing before, of the, the meditation factors of the right effort, mindfulness, and concentration being similar to three boys working together uh, to reach a, a high-hanging fruit, um, piece of fruit that they want. Um, so right effort is the boy that makes the strong base, that like gets the whole thing going um, and puts himself under, under the tree limb um, and plants himself firmly for the middle boy, you know, the, the mindfulness to climb up onto his shoulders and be the bridge between the energy, the, the start of the energy and getting the energy directed in the direction of the fruit. Um, and then this right samadhi uh, concentration or flow state, we'll talk about that one more later. Um, that's the, the boy that has to be light and life um, that scrambles all the way up on top um, of the second boy's shoulders and where the right effort is, is a very kind of energetic thing, the, the concentration, the flow has to be so balanced and attuned to not bring the whole thing down and reach up and get the fruit. I really like that analogy. So when I was reading that analogy, I, can't, I had this um, memory of a very practical example in my own life that really was putting the first five of these into clear, clear use in, in the fire of a particular moment. Um, I've shared this story before um, because it was such a useful teaching moment for my own self in, in the practice. So if you've heard it before, I apologize, but it's, I, hope it's, I hope it's useful for you. We moved back to Charlotte in 2006 I can't remember exactly when this was, but it wasn't so long after that. Um, I took my girls, they were still fairly young, but old enough um, to, to go to the Whitewater Center and do anything or almost anything. I took them to the Whitewater Center uh, for the first time ever. We'd never been there. Uh, and, and I think all of y'all know about the Whitewater Center, um, but you know, this just, <laughs> a little bit bizarre place with all of these outdoor adventure kind of things that you can do. And we went first time ever on a Saturday in July. 
If you have ever been to the Whitewater Center, you can hear, I see some of y'all smiling, you can hear oh, that is not a great setup. It was bedlam. There were so many people out there. So we get out of the car. I'm already, you know, I get out of the car. I'm already a little overwhelmed as it is um, just from the crowd. And I ask my girls where they want to go. And they're like, the high ropes course first. We do our sign in. They go flying over to the high ropes course. And, we, <laughs> and once we get there, there's, of course, this long line to wait to, to do this, this high ropes course. And if you've never seen the high ropes course, they like plant telephone poles into the ground and then put platforms about 20 feet up and then have all of these little like, you know, walk across a telephone pole or cable wire or, you know, different kind of challenges to get all around this 20 foot up course up in the, up in the sky. So uh, we get in this long line, and as soon as we hit the line, um, the first part of the story is not about me being mindful. <laughs> Just make that clear. As soon as we hit the line, my mind starts just racing. You know, I'm looking up at those people that are up already up on the course and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is this too much for my girls? They've never done anything like this. Is this too much? And then we're standing there and it's hot and we're in the sunshine. Did we put enough sunscreen on? Oh, should I just step out and go get water? They might be dehydrated. If they're dehydrated, are they going to be able to do, you know, I mean, it's just endless, endless, endless. And it was all focused on worry about them. So finally, we get to our turn, we climb up these steps, and there's a young man up there, and he like ropes you all in, so you're totally safe. He ropes in both of my girls, and boop, 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 off they go. You know, not an issue in the world. Easy peasy, <laughs> they're gone. And then it's my turn. And he starts to rope me in, and it's only at that point I finally get what the whole shebang is about. I have a fear of heights. <laughs> and I will say it's, it, it was a well-earned fear of heights. I, when, in my younger, stupider days, um, I did two very near-death um, height experiments <laughs> that um, left me very shaken after both. And so all of a sudden, you know, how many times in your adult life do you go 20 feet up and do something like this? I actually hadn't probably ever been up um, since the last one of those two experiences. So I'm standing there, he's roping me in and it just floods me what the issue is. And I look at him and say, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. There's been a mistake. I don't think I'm going to do this. <laughs> he looks at me. He literally rolls his eyes at me and he says, ma'am, if you don't do this, you are not going to be able to hold your head up at the dinner table tonight. <laughs> at which point I go, you're right. And I like gear up and, and, um, you know, like get ready. He, he does the things and off I go. So the way this one works, the first one is a telephone pole. You walk across to the first platform where you're, you're away from him. You can walk across that telephone pole, get on that platform, 
turn back to him and go, uh, no, never mind, and walk back and get off. But as soon as you walk off that first platform onto the cable, you know, you're like standing on this, this wire cable, you can't turn around. There's no turning back. You got to do the whole thing. So I like geared myself up. I have no memory of crossing the telephone pole. I have no memory of the first platform. My consciousness finally like kicks back in when I'm about halfway onto the cable, the point of no return. And then, you know, in it like this, we can like gear ourselves up. We can pull it together and we can push ourselves way beyond what we're prepared for. <laughs> the problem is eventually that breaks down, broke down about halfway across the wire. It was not pretty. <laughs> you know, just all of a sudden, full-blown garden variety panic attack. I'm standing on this wire. Have you ever heard of sewing machine legs? You know, like when the sewing machine goes up and down like this, you get so nervous, your legs are doing this. So I'm on this wire, this wire is like flipping back and forth <laughs> under me and I'm holding on for dear life to my little safety rope. And if I fell, I'd fall three feet. It wouldn't be that big of a deal, but I mean, just the whole nine yards of panic, sheer panic. Then, I had this utterly clear moment that I will never forget. Just spontaneously had this, this resounding thought, oh, you teach mindfulness. <laughs> that was right view. You practice this enough and it starts to spontaneously arise when you need it. That was the view of this is the direction of suffering and this is the direction of freedom. And it was a clear scene. Wow, the way I am dealing with this moment is absolutely in the direction of suffering. So just being able to see I am sending myself off in this direction led me to right intention, which was the thought of, oh, okay, what would I say in class? Uh, breathe. <laughs> so right intention was what is the energy I can use to help me see the other direction. So then the next meditation factor, right effort. It's not enough to have the intention to breathe. Then I actually got to do it. <laughs> And actually have to put what I'm pulling in, into my mind into action in that moment. And so, you know, I just remember <gasps> just sucking in the air um, in, this, in this like deep, deep way. And that was not enough that it made it all go away by any means, but enough that I could get a little more clear to think about another step. Right mindfulness. What would be the mindful attunement that would actually help in this moment now? So kind of like thinking through what I knew. When I'm on the ground, I like thinking about my feet in contact with the earth. That's a very grounding place for me. 
I was standing on a wire 20 feet in the air and the wire was going back and forth. My feet were not accessible. And I, you know, I had that thought, okay, can't use feet. Uh, uh, and where I was, there would be like these big, deep grounded trees that were rooted trees um, right in front of me, one strong tree 10 feet away. And so instead of using my feet, I let my eyes feel the tree roots and use that. And bit by bit by bit, and I have to say, you know, what one thing that in retrospect was really interesting, at no point did a judging of, you're a mindfulness teacher, why the heck are you having this problem? Never crossed my mind. Never, ever, ever in the heat of that moment. So we have to practice with the strength of the heart to know how to be with ourselves in a way that doesn't self-sabotage in the moment. So all of those factors, all of those pieces just kept coming together, getting a little stronger and a little stronger until I was like inching my way across that cable and I got to the next platform. You know, I'm like bear hugging the telephone pole of the next platform and giving myself time to just breathe. And when I finally looked up from my bear hug, I realized that some, some young boy who had come behind me had clearly had his panic attack on the wire and he had like scooched onto the platform and he was bear hugging the same telephone pole as me. And so I like pulled, peeled my head far enough away to look down at him and go, having an issue too? He was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, okay. What if you and I do this together? And he was like, yes! <laughs> and so he and I team up. And, you know, I mean, isn't that we need to use our resources in however they show up, in whatever way. So he and I started bit by bit by bit coaching each other all the way around. And by the time I got to the last couple of them, again, we were never pretty. It just, it, we never got to that level of ease, but we got to the place that it was a little bit fun, that both he and I were having some fun up there and enjoying what we were doing. That was not samadhi, that third factor, um, right concentration, but it was in the direction of an ease of flow that had a natural intelligence that knew how to meet the moment. So it was putting us into that direction. So by the time he and I got down, you know, we high-fived each other. He ran off to tell his family, did you see me? I did it. I ran off to tell my family, did you see me? I did it. <laughs> and remembered that teaching of, you know, how these, how all of these things we talk about begin to actually transform our being and what we have available moment by moment by moment, the more we practice with them. It's kind of like being lost in a dense, dense, scary fog. And then there's this possibility of remembering, oh, I have a light. I have a light that I can use. 
and just being able to switch towards the light that's available begins to clear the mist enough. So I think I'm gonna stop there. Let's pause for ourselves right here for a minute. So right effort, balanced effort. What do you know it's like when you're too tight? What do you know it's like when you're too loose? What have you tasted in your life? Is that just right opening? Not suddenly neat and clean and easy and clear. But you can feel an opening in a direction that's useful for you. Thank you.